Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome to Tell Me About Your Mother. I'm Amy Westervelt. My guest today is Emily Zuloff. Emily's the fiction lead for a new game studio in Seattle, where she tries to come up with cool characters and weird sci-fi-y names for things. Before that, she was with Pixar Animation Studios for about eight years, as a creative development associate, and then as a script supervisor for the movie Inside Out. And actually, her mom has something to do with how she wound up leaving that job and the Bay Area and heading to her hometown of Seattle. Emily also spent two years as the co-executive director of a great small nonprofit, the Seattle Clemency Project. And she's a mom to a four-year-old daughter. Emily's got a great relationship with her mom, and we got to talk about some really interesting generational shifts around work, gender, race, and more. Here's Emily. This episode of Tell Me About Your Mother is sponsored by Casper. Listeners can get a $50 discount off select mattresses by going to casper.com slash mother. That's Casper, C-A-S-P-E-R dot com slash M-O-T-H-E-R. The original Casper mattress combines multiple supportive memory foams for a quality sleep surface with the right amounts of both sink and bounce. It also has a breathable design that helps you sleep cool and regulates your body temperature. In addition to its super popular original, Casper now has two other mattresses, the Wave and the Essential. The Wave features a patent-pending premium support system to mirror the natural shape of your body. And the Essential has a streamlined design at a price that won't keep you up at night. All their mattresses are designed, developed, and assembled in the U.S. And while the Essential is the most affordable option, really all three are pretty well priced. Casper cuts out the middleman and sells directly to customers, which enables them to offer premium mattresses at a much lower price. So again, check out casper.com mother to get a $50 off discount on select mattresses. You can be sure of your purchase with Casper's 100-night risk-free sleep-on-it trial, and you get $50 off. Thanks, listeners. bit about how you grew up, where you grew up. Yeah, where you grew up and, and sort of what situation you had with your mom as a kid. Was she working or was she staying at home? What was sort of household? Yeah, um, I, I grew up in Seattle, Washington, uh, where I am currently sitting, actually. Finally came home after a lot of years. Um, I, I grew up in a neighborhood just south of the city, so still in the city. Um, my My mom was... 
so it's funny. I my recollection is that my mom was a working mom my whole childhood. Um, she has told me in the last few years that that wasn't completely accurate. That she <laughs> actually did stay home with me for stretches, especially when I was sort of uh, very young and then first in school. Um, but my it's I think from the time that I was sort of conscious of things like parents can work and parents cannot work. Uh, right. I thought she was a working parent. Um, <laughs> so uh, she was um, when I was very young, uh, bef- like sort of before she had me and then just I think right after she had me, she she has a law degree. So she was um, an attorney for that's that's actually how she knows my dad. And um, she was she worked first for the prosecutor's office and then uh, later on actually worked with my dad a little bit. But um, what I really remember her doing and what she's done the vast majority of my life is uh, she's a landscape designer. Uh, so oh. she does garden. She does garden designs and that kind of thing. So she did this really abrupt shift from law and and took like did a 180 and went to garden design. And I, if you had asked me when I was like 16, I would have told you that, yeah, she was a working parent my whole life. But I guess, I guess I, I don't know what I thought. I think that was just by the time that I was grown up, I had really baked that into the way that I saw her and the identity that I had created in my head for her was was around that my mom has her own business and my mom is a, a landscape designer and she went to school for it and that's what she and she's creative and um it's only it's really it's only in the last couple of years that she's been like no no <laughs> i uh i was definitely staying home like how would i have done that and i'm like i don't know i just like it didn't didn't occur to me for a while but yeah so that's what she did for a long time and then my dad um my dad was and is a criminal defense attorney and has done that the whole of his adult life so um did your mom like were you cognizant of it when your mom was going to school to, to do this whole career change yeah i was which is why my like feeling like she always did that doesn't really make sense (laughs) um (laughs) i was i I, i'm not sure if i could tell you exactly how old i was but there was definitely i remember stretches where she had classes and she had books Mm -hmm. and she was she was going she you know i was i was sort of vaguely aware of what she was doing and but it's also sort of when you're a young kid you also don't have a great sense of like how long school takes and like what what that's really what's really involved in that kind of stuff so um but I think she was in school for about two years she went to a community college around Seattle and and got a degree in horticulture and then was uh started working with another woman they had a business together and then she broke out on her own and had her own business uh and and like that's what i that's what i remember so yeah that's the part yeah. that's the part i'm sure about and then everything else apparently before that okay so what did you think about that at the time and, and i don't know this identity that you'd sort of created for your mom like what what was it to you and then also like how did it kind of 
or did it impact your, I don't know, like your identity yourself or your idea of like anything about women in general? Yeah, it actually, I mean, I think that's why I did it and why I held on to it so much is it, I feel like it had a huge impact on me. Um, I remember being so proud of the fact that my mom worked and that she had her own business. And I, I, I'm not sure if I could even tell you why I felt all that pride in her. Um, but I absolutely did. It was a big, um, it, it felt like this way that my mom had her own identity and her own, and I, and none of this was sort of like conscious stuff that I remember thinking exactly. Right. Just, just this sort of general feeling of like, my mom is a business owner, like she, and she's creative and, um, she's kind of got her own thing going. And I, and the only reason to be honest with you that, I, that, that, that some amount of that myth got sort of punk. Uh, what's the word I'm like punctured um in the last few years was because I had my own child <laughs> mm -hmm. and and started having those conversations with her about like wait how did you do this and she and she went oh no no I wasn't doing it when you were this age but it was <laughs> but it did it, it completely shaped um the way I kind of the, my my expectations for what I would do and uh, my expectations for what a mom does and what that's like. And, um, my, my mom also has a, or had, unfortunately she's passed away, but she had a sister who was, uh, my aunt who was also a really huge part of my growing up. And, um, my, my aunt didn't have her own children. And so I, I sort of got like almost a pseudo second mom because she also lived here and um, I saw her all the time. And that aunt also worked and also and actually had a very sort of high powered uh, legal job, um, was very high up at her firm that she worked at. And I and it, it was a big, it, I don't know, it felt like a big deal to me. I felt like I was, I had two women in my life who, who seemed very, um, I don't know, strong and competent and it, yeah, it, it always seemed like a big deal. And my mom, my mom, uh, kept her maiden name too, which sort of at the time felt like, um, I don't know, a big deal. And so then when I got married, I kept my maiden name. This is going to be a podcast about how I'm becoming my mother. That's what this is like. <laughs> like a long story about how I'm well, a mom. <laughs> um, that is true. That's true. Like that was not as at all as common. Um, back no, then, it I wasn't. Don't. I mean, my mom had been married before she met my dad and mm -hmm. had taken um, the name of her first husband. Mm -hmm. And I, and then I think had to work to get her name back. And yeah. And so was not going to do it again, even though she she is still married to my dad. Like that all worked out. Um, but yeah, I think she I think she lost that bit of identity for a while and it it took some work to get it back. And I think she was just not going to do it again. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. Um, 
Well, that's interesting too. So did like, was there, okay. Um, uh, like kind of back to younger years, was there any, yes. um, was there any, like, um, anything that you saw in the way that your mom interacted with your dad that like kind of, um, I don't know, formed some ideas for you about relationships and how they should work or even just like how men interact with women and vice versa. Yeah. I mean, I think that's probably, yeah, that's probably how all of us form our yeah. first ideas about, about this stuff. Um, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I'm, I'm very lucky you know, my dad is, um, my parents have a, a sort of, um, I would say at, at times like annoyingly good relationships. <laughs> they, um, they still, uh, enjoy each other's company and they, um, like I, I'm actually speaking to you on their 40 year wedding anniversary is today. Oh. Um, oh. I know, I know. Um, my, my dad is really, uh, yeah, they, they are very good with each other. They are very kind to each other. Um, my dad is interesting. He, he is somebody who sort of values, um, kindness over most things. <laughs> and there's an obvious upside to that. You know, there's, uh, there's obviously something you get out of that. Um, I would say that potentially the downside of that is that I think when things, um, there's probably been moments in, in my experiences with him and his experiences with my mom where things probably needed to get said or, uh, dealt with. And, mm. um, he, they're not confrontational people. Um, they're both pretty quiet. My mom is a little more social than my dad. Um, but they're, uh, you know, my dad, like they're, <laughs> my mom is, um, from, uh, sort of, I don't know, very genteel Tennessee. And, um, my dad is a, like a very, a very nice guy from Ohio. And so mm -hmm. confrontation was not a part of my childhood. Um, and you know, for the most part, I have very few complaints about that. Um, but yeah, I mean, they're, they don't, I, I could probably count on, I don't think I've ever seen them have a, have a real fight. I think I've the, the closest, like, Honest to God, the closest thing I can think of is my mom bought too much Ikea furniture once and it created a complete meltdown. But like that's otherwise, if if they fight, I don't think that they do like they which, you know, again, is like it's a little it's wonderful. It's also a little uh, like on the waspy side of things like they don't. <laughs> There are, there are probably, um, some, you know, stuff that doesn't get said if you, if you work like that. But for the most part, I, I don't get the sense that they have some sort of deep, uh, deep, dark stuff that they have to work through. It's just like on a day-to-day -day basis, they, they tend to, if there's a, if there's a, an opportunity for conflict, they usually walk around it. Yeah. Yeah. That's funny. 
Did they wait? Did they meet because your mom was a prosecutor and your dad was the defense attorney? That like close to that. They they didn't really? meet because of that. They actually met earlier. They met. So my mom had gotten a divorce um, mm-hmm. from this dude. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> That's mostly how I feel about him. Um, uh-huh. From this guy and and had moved out to Seattle because that's where her sister, my aunt Mabry, was at the time. And she decided she had been in law school and she decided she was going to study for the bar uh, in Seattle and take the bar exam in Seattle. And my dad was in her bar exam, like study class and um, like saw her. And like, I guess, I don't know if he asked her out the same day or what happened um but i mean my mom was super cute like i mean she still is super cute uh but like in a way that i try not to think of as like it looks a little different in our current climate but my dad was like i remember what she was wearing she was wearing this little skirt and all this kind of stuff (laughs) i'm like okay dad thanks so much information (laughs) um but yeah no they they met on they were just both super broke law students and they they went out to dinner and i think my dad said he paid in like rolls of nickels at their date because like that was that i mean it like that that little section of time when you've got your law degree but but nobody's paying you to be a lawyer yet is a tough is a tough moment and that's when he decided to make his move (laughs) so That's so funny. Okay, so you mentioned before that you that you know you kind of had this idea of your mom as like owning her own business and being creative and um and like how that kind of played out for you too. And so I'm curious if like you if there was any aspect of that that you felt like having that sort of modeled for you made it seem more like a real thing that you could do, like go and do something creative as your job. Yeah, I mean it's it, you know it's kind of an interesting thing. My um I think my mom would describe her work as as creative but in some ways um I feel like my career path is a little bit my actual career path is a little bit more impacted by my dad than my mom mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. he's you know he she was an attorney and then decided I'm going to go this completely different direction and mm-hmm. started this this business that um, I, I think the the I think she actually does fine now. She does quite well, but I think the first mm-hmm. probably I don't know five to ten years that she was doing this business, she really didn't bring in very much money. And um, and my dad, meanwhile, um, was sort of holding down the like super responsible job. But my dad has always wanted to be an artist and. I and I sort of grew up watching my uh, my dad um you know he's a he's an attorney and I think he does great work and I think he loves parts of it and I always but I always had this feeling that like there was like this sort of artistic side of him that he wasn't letting go and in some ways my yeah. mom did Uh, she kind of did go that direction and she didn't, um, she decided that she wasn't going to 
worry about the money part very much. And, you know, it's interesting, all of that, all of that sort of idealized, you know, picture that I had in my head, I think it's more complicated, obviously, as you grow up and you realize like, oh, no, you do like one of you does actually have to make money. <laughs> and like, yeah, I, I just I, I feel like this is, this is like a side of the um, gender stuff that I feel like doesn't get talked about as much like we kind of I feel like we spend a lot of time exploring how you know a lot of women were like not allowed to pursue things they wanted to pursue and you know mm -hmm. there's been all these barriers and things like that and that's all totally true but the gender binary thing like doesn't work that well for men either <laughs> no know? it really oh my god it really doesn't and that, that's sort of an interesting thing that I feel like I I held my own kind of guilt about for a long time with my dad because it was very clear that like the reason that he had that job the reason that and he had a very stressful job like he did you know yeah. he he did everything from uh sort of white collar criminal defense but he would do murder cases and you know stuff that were really emotionally taxing and i was always uh, probably more in some ways aware than i should have been of that stuff and always felt like I on some level that like I'm the reason he's not pursuing the thing he's passionate about mm -hmm. like that having this family has kind of I don't want to say trapped him because that sounds really dr <laughs> really dramatic and I don't think he would describe it that way but yeah yeah there I think there was a little bit I think that I think you're absolutely right that like sort of those gender roles and those gender norms were hard i think on him and then and then also frankly i think on you know i i also think there's there was sort of a notion from my mom's side of like she was doing this thing she was passionate about she and it and it it did matter to her and it was beautiful and creative but i also think it took her a really long time to ask for any money doing it i think you know where my dad sort of felt like that was baked into his role and that was something he needed to do. I think it took my mom a long time to own the idea that she could and should charge money, like actual money for the stuff she was doing. Yeah. I think yeah. especially something like landscape design, which is basically, you know, creating beautiful spaces. I think, I think it felt I don't know. I should ask her someday, but I think there's maybe I'll ask her when this podcast comes out. Um, <laughs> I think there's I think there's a way that we tend to diminish that work and say, you know, that's not that's not the same as somebody who's a lawyer, and you know, that's not that's not serving or worthwhile in the same way. And I think whether or not she ever intended to, I think she did internalize that for. A number of years and didn't sort of charge what she should have charged for things and and mm -hmm. i think there there was a little bit of like i don't know i think fear of that kind of success and fear of being somebody who who asked and said no like i'm i'm worth this much money like this is yeah. how much i had this is how much it costs i think for a lot of years she she really didn't do that and that's why she wasn't making money because she was working hard and she was, you know, doing a lot, a lot of work, but it, it wasn't adding up to a place that she could really live on it for a long time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. I know my, um, 
my dad also had like a, a a totally like deferred dream or i guess like really I mean, maybe, what was his maybe deferred. he he wanted to be he's really good at languages and he wanted to be a simultaneous translator and um he wanted to be like, a simultaneous translator yeah for the un oh wow and, um, oh that's like, such a on cool that idea path, I know. And, and then he just, yeah, it was just like, well, I have to like be sensible and, you know, make money and da da da. And I'm just like, oh, so depressing. So I feel like I too, I, I definitely, that's something that I'm kind of like, I don't ever want to feel like that, you know? <laughs> yeah. And I, it really does. It's such an interesting thing. Like it, so I have probably said to people, I'm going to law school more times than I can count. Like, I I start down the path. I mean, I have two, you know, my mom was a lawyer first, like my dad's right. lawyer, my aunt, my aunt who passed away, she was a lawyer. My uncle was a lawyer. Yeah. My other uncle was a lawyer. It, I mean, it's absurd. Yeah. Like there's so many attorneys in this family. And then every time it's like I go up to the precipice and then I back away. And I, yeah. and I think every time in my head is this notion of, of like feeling like if I don't, if I don't chase the, the, the like weird, silly, <laughs> like arty mm -hmm. kind of stuff, I won't do it. And it's such an interesting, it's, it's an interesting narrative I've created for myself because I don't think my dad was unhappy with his choice. I think it was more like my perception of of yeah and and yeah. and maybe the and maybe the narrative that i think we we tell ourselves about like chase your dream like follow your passion and it was so clear that he had a passion that that for me the idea that he wasn't following it was somehow tragic <laughs> yeah and, yeah and then and then i think on the flip side like my mom really was following her passion and but there were sort of real you know, consequences financially for them when she decided to do that. And yeah, it's only like being a little older that it all feels just a lot muddier than it did at, yeah. you know, 16 or something. Yeah. yeah. That's, a, that's really interesting that your dad had that too. That it's just like a whole generation of men who were doing the right thing. It is so interesting, the conversations that you all of a sudden need to have with your mom after you have kids. And a lot yeah. of them are around like, so how do I do this? Like, how does yeah. this, how do I, how do I make this work? And so yeah. I feel like yeah. a lot of the conversations with my mom were around like, help me, like, uh, help me, I'm drowning. Like, what do I do? And, and yeah, it, yeah. it was Quite, it was very eye-opening for me to realize that like she I I could be wrong about this she may have stopped working after I was born she certainly mm -hmm. stopped after my brother was born and then and then didn't go back to work until we were in school um, both of us and he's younger than I am mm -hmm. and yeah it's just the realization that like I I don't I, I don't know why I really had this idea in my head that my mom was a working mom from the time that I was really young. But having sort of done that myself now, 
and yeah. having, you know, had a child and then had to figure out where does my child go for eight hours in the middle of the day while I keep working? I, I, I do appreciate the choice that she made to, to stay home. I can totally see why that was a good choice. It was like, it was so, by the time I got around to it, I, it was so baked into my head that I was going to keep working that yeah. it, it didn't actually ever occur to me. Like even after I found out from her that like, oh no, I wasn't, I wasn't working then. It didn't occur to me mm-hmm. to, to change course. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I it, and it it's really interesting for me to think about like would I have would I have thought about parenting completely differently if I had actually understood that better. Do you get a lot of help from your mom with your yes. kind of daughter? Yeah. Yes, yeah. I have a daughter, she's 4. Um yeah. yeah, it actually so I was I was in the Bay Area for um ooh, 10 years, I think. Yeah. And mm-hmm moved back to Seattle after my daughter was born because I was like, I can't do it. I can't do yeah. this. I yeah. Um I would love to tell you that like, oh no, I was super pulled together, but no, I was I was I felt like Anyone I was drowning. Was yeah. yeah. Yeah, I know. I think it's a myth too. It's like a unicorn. Um totally. It totally is. Yeah. I, I just actually finished writing a whole book about this. Like we we I know. I can't wait to read your book. Oh, good. Well, yeah, I, like the, it's crazy. The whole history of like why we think mothers should be what we think they should be. It's just it's ridiculous and like it's totally unreasonable and everyone needs help. <laughs> I, it's fast. I know it's so fascinating to me, actually. And it's it is one of these things where it's like, man, when the curtain like when you pull the curtain back on this process yeah. and try to figure out how you're going to do it, it, it is yeah. it's like here, here's like a hundred things I had never thought of before. And one of the big things for me right away was, so my mom came down when my daughter was born and Mm -hmm. when my, it was time for my mom to leave, I was like distraught. (laughs) I was like, I don't, I was like, oh God. Um, And part of that is like, like a healthy dose of postpartum depression and all that good stuff too. But a lot, but a lot of it really was this idea of like, I don't feel like I'm supposed to, I don't know how to, like, A, I don't know how to do this by myself, but B, I don't feel like, I don't feel like you and I are supposed to be apart, mom. Like this Mm -hmm. feels like, I, I mean, a lot of that was, I, you know, I was, I was so lucky. Like I grew up with, you know, my, my mom was very present and around. Um, Mm -hmm. I had my aunt, um, and then my mom's mom, my mom moved her mom out from Tennessee when I was very young. Um, Mm -hmm. and so I, I just, I grew up in this little cocoon of like women who, Mm -hmm especially my grandmother and my mom really were just sort of on a day-to-day basis really taking care of me and so mm. as you know as i was trying in the bay area to you know work and have a child and i it was just like after a certain point i was like nope i just i i need i need to have my parents around so yeah 
Yeah. That's all. I mean, it's awesome that you were, that, um, you know, you were able to like realize that and then make the decision and do it. I think that's great. Yeah. I um, mean, it was like a hundred times more complicated than I thought it was going to be. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah. One, it's like, when, uh, it's definitely one of those things where I was like, that sounds easy. And then like, absolutely no part of it has been easy. Um, <laughs> but my mom really likes being a grandmother. Um, it's funny, my mom, so, you know, my mom took all this time off when I was young and then sort of built this business. And then, um, but in probably in the last, what is it, 2018, probably yeah. in the last um, six or seven years, uh, she, her business has actually really expanded. Like she's, she works all the freaking time. <laughs> She is, she's, she works like easily more hours than I do, or my husband does, or she works all the time. Um, so she's doing almost like a, a reverse retirement. Like she, she's ramping. I don't understand it, but like she's, she's ramping up instead of ramping down. Um, so she's been incredibly helpful with my daughter, but it's also really interesting. It's like watching somebody hit their prime in their 60s um yeah. she and i think there is a little bit of like she doesn't have you know kids in the house and mm -hmm. um and and frankly you know her sister died in uh 2011 mm -hmm. and i think and then my grandmother died the following year so um I think there's been a little bit of a of soul searching for her as she figures out who she is without these two women uh mm. in her life on a day-to-day -day basis. And and part of what I think has actually for me has been really fascinating is she I I would have always said and it was sort of a family joke. My my aunt was like a workaholic, complete workaholic. Um mm like on her phone, on her Blackberry all the time. She, she would mm -hmm. go on vacation and she would bill like normal hours while on vacation because she just like never <laughs> stopped working. Um, and my mom, by contrast, was always so relaxed, like uh, seemed like I don't didn't really seem like she she didn't have that kind of intensity. And it's been really interesting in the last few years to watch that she does, in fact, have it. Like it's there. It just wasn't, she wasn't leading with it. And yeah. I don't know. It always makes me think how, how much we, how much we sort of construct ourselves in relation to the people around us. And mm -hmm. in the same way that like, you know, when you have children, you, you, you'll go, oh, you know, this child is the rowdy one. And this child is the bookworm. And this child is our science kid. And this, and it's like we just so early on we start putting kind of labels on people and and it's it's just it helps us understand the world right um right and i think when my i think when my aunt passed away it was a little bit of like i don't know i should ask her again but like but i think for my mom it was it was i'm not this person in relation to this other person anymore 
And I think it was sort of an interesting process of discovering that all those pieces she actually had inside of her, but Mm -hmm. because she wasn't the ambitious one, she wasn't the aggressive one. She wasn't the Mm -hmm. one who was career focused. But then when she wasn't not that in relation to somebody else, it was like she found it in herself. Yeah. It's been really yeah. it's been really interesting to watch cuz she she's she's found a very different side of herself in the last I guess 7 years, yeah. That's cool too. Like it's it's I don't know, it's kind of fun to think about that you like continue to discover new sides to yourself, you know. <laughs> it's nice. Yeah. That it doesn't I know it is kind of nice and it you know, yeah. it's sort of a rem, a reminder too for me of like boy you you those are those are like self-imposed labels that we that we own and we take on and and not that she was sort of suppressing that in her something but it's just been fun it's been fun to sort of watch her yeah find like sort of discover these new sides of herself um Mm -hmm in her late 60s like (laughs) she's and i don't think she's ever gonna retire i think she's gonna i think she's gonna work and i like i don't see like a you know riding off into the sunset thing like i think she's just gonna work until she can't physically work anymore so yeah that's cool um i mean it's cool you know because it sounds like she enjoys it (laughs) yeah yeah, no, I'm like, she has a factory job. <laughs> yeah. She's going to sew buttons yeah. on, on pants for, <laughs> and she, she loves dies. it. <laughs> Until the day she dies. Yeah, um, no, she's... Yeah, yeah. Are there any things that you think about as a, as a mother now yourself that you're like, oh, when my daughter gets to be a teenager, I definitely don't want to do this. Like, are there any things um, that your mom did that you're Oh, like, that she oh, did? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm like going to choose my words carefully. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, there's a few things that I think are just, I feel like collectively as a society we're evolving on. So yeah. You know, my mom and I don't don't really have fights, but we certainly have had disagreements about like the material that my daughter consumes. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, my mom uh, has like every old Disney book, every Disney princess, every um, all that kind of stuff, and I that's the stuff I grew up on. Um, yeah. I feel myself making a really conscious effort to think about the messages that I'm telling my daughter about mm-hmm. beauty and femininity and, um, you know, what's kind of tolerable behavior from a man and like the things that yeah. I think are, I think it's a, just a generational difference that I don't think my mom and I ever talked about. Um, mm-hmm. and it's so interesting because I think she would have said that she, you know, supported the feminist movement and she was, she's very liberal and open-minded, but, um, I think it's more, I don't think it's so much, well, I, I will say the one thing that I like am conscious of not doing that my mom did. And this is, mm-hmm. this is sort of a small thing, but then I think it gets bigger as you get older. 
is I was I was a very skinny kid. Um, Mm -hmm. I like I don't I I was doing ballet for a long time. I just like wasn't putting weight on for a long time. And Mm -hmm. I remember my mom at some point, I was probably in eighth grade or something. And I don't know why I remember this, but we were swimsuit shopping. Like we were trying on swimsuits and I was putting on a swimsuit and she was sitting with me in the dressing room. And she said what was absolutely a compliment where she said, oh, you just have the most perfect figure. And it was one of those things where it's like in the moment, you're like, thank you. That's wonderful to hear. And and then, you know, it's eighth grade. So then your body changes. <laughs> like, right. Um, right. Right. And, and continues to change. And, you know, I now have a child, so it's continuing to change. <laughs> and, right. Right. and it was sort of an interesting thing. It, it It's like a stake in the ground of like, here's here's the perfect figure right and and then ever since then i haven't had that body that body went away pretty quickly and (laughs) and i'm sure it's one of those like weird things that i know exactly how she meant it and it was meant with love and and you know but i think there's sort of an awareness now about how we talk about our bodies that's a little bit different than it used to be. And so I I feel aware with my own daughter of trying to not trying to not talk about first frankly trying to not talk about beauty or you look pretty or um yeah because I think that's the message that's getting reinforced by all those Disney movies. It's like, here's Sleeping Beauty. Like, we're literally going to call her Sleeping Beauty. And, you know, here's Snow White. And the yeah. first thing you're going to learn about her is, like, her, her complexion. And um, yeah. Yeah. I, think, I think that kind of stuff um, is the stuff that, you know, it, like, is evolving. And I'm hopefully yeah. going to do a little bit differently than she did. Um, and then generally I'm I'm going to try to talk to my daughter about being a feminist in a way that um it's really interesting. I think for my mom it was sort of like you know, not that she's thinking about it in this simple of terms, but I think it was sort of like yay, we did it. Like yeah. <laughs> feminism succeeded and now we're all done and um yeah. Yeah. and so we didn't talk about we didn't talk about things like you know what what should you be looking for in a partner like what are you know what are the what are the things you should tolerate in the workplace and you should not tolerate in the workplace and it, it's interesting i don't think any of it again was I, I think she just sort of was like i don't feel like we have to have those conversations like they're right like, you know you get all again we're fine and like yeah yeah. Yeah, like yeah, exactly. Like the doors are kicked wide open. And and frankly, I think part of that is like she was she didn't work for big corporations or anything after, right. you know, I was born and um so a lot of this stuff that I think is that we're seeing now and is going on now like she just wasn't privy to any of that stuff. And so I think um 
I think that's stuff that I feel aware of talking about as a parent. Yeah. Yeah. Well, also, I feel like a lot of there's so much sort of, um, I don't know, like undercurrent stuff that I feel like um, our mom's generation or our parents' generation, like, you know, kind of in keeping with this whole like non confrontational, like, you know, we don't really talk about it. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, yeah. That great? You know, so it's like, so they dealt with all the obvious stuff. And then totally. there's like this whole <laughs> totally. layer needs to get dealt with now you know absolutely and I do I think that's I think that's a really good observation is like I you know I think all the stuff that we're dealing with now requires a little bit of confrontation because it's it is it is a buried a level deep and so if you're gonna yeah. if you're gonna go root it out it's gonna be messy like it's not gonna be you know we just don't I mean, if I'm sure that if like somebody had, you know, walked in and said like, you know, I need a, like, I need a girl and I'm going to like slap her ass and all that kind of, like, I'm sure she would have <laughs> right. said like, oh, that's not acceptable. Not okay. um, yeah. <laughs> but the like secondary layer of, you know, this secondary wave of like, oh, it's not that obvious. Um, right. Yeah. I think it requires a kind of confrontation that. That is not as genteel and is, you know, and is not as polite and kind. And um, I think, you know, for a lot of us, we're kind of dealing on, and I think my mom is too, is dealing on some level with like, okay, if, how do, what do we do? Do we just like act like it's fine, which is what we've right. been doing <laughs> for the most part. Right. Um, right. Or do you get in there and sort of start something, which is, which is definitely not in her nature and probably frankly is less in my nature too. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think we're all, I think, you know, if you define yourself as a feminist, this is a really interesting moment to like, to be like, okay, like, you know, we have to get off the couch and like say some stuff <laughs> and set some mm -hmm. boundaries. Um, yeah. and, and that's just uncomfortable. Like it's not being, that's not being cool. That's not being the person yeah. who can roll with everything. So yeah. Yeah. It's it's definitely interesting to to watch all of us, I think, grapple with it. Um, did your mom ever talk to you about sex? And if so, how did that conversation go? <laughs> the like short answer is not really. Um, mm -hmm. The longer answer is that in, I want to say it's like eighth grade and they start doing sex ed in your school and right. they did in our school. Yeah. And I don't remember what it was that they gave us to like take with us there was some kind of either it was like a handout or like something mm -hmm. um and i put it in my pocket and totally mm -hmm. forgot about it and then my mm -hmm. mom was doing laundry and mm -hmm. found it and it's like it i don't remember what it said but it must have been like questions about sex and so my mom picks me up from school that day and it's like super stiff <laughs> uncomfortable and I couldn't quite figure out why and then like halfway we must have made small talk I don't know what we talked about then halfway through the drive she she said so I found this in your pants pocket and I just want to know if you have any questions and I of course because I was like in eighth grade I was like no I don't have any questions I don't have any questions at all and she goes, okay, because if you do, just like 
let me know. And that, as, as far as I recall, was the entire conversation. And then I think we didn't talk about it again until I was probably like 30 years old. <laughs> I, think that was, I think that was basically it. Like, God bless, you know, sex ed. And I mean, I, you know, she's like a, they, she is from a like proper Southern family. Like I, I can't, we just did we didn't have I mean if we had those conversations like and I'm sure she'll tell me if we did but like I don't recall them so either I was so uncomfortable that I blocked them out um yeah. or we didn't have them and I think I think the thing is that we mostly didn't have them tell your children not to walk my way tell your children not to hear my word oh Did your mom ever talk to you about race and like race relations in any way? You know, race is a really interesting. So my mom grew up in on Lookout Mountain, Tennessee, and she was born in 1950. And that's a I mean, it's you know, it's it's in Martin Luther King's I Have a Dream speech. Like it yeah, is one yeah. it was a very very polarized area and my mom her father um was an attorney and they lived on lookout mountain mm -hmm. and they had help they had i mean you know if you've seen the movie the help like that my mom that was how my mom grew up she had um she had beatrice and she had edna and she had Thomas and she had Belvin and they worked for my my Nana and my mom's dad. Yeah. And then my mom's dad died when my mom was 14 years old. He was in he actually he had cancer, but um he actually died in a car accident of all things. Um oh. So he was in the middle of cancer treatment and then he was struck by a drunk driver and he was killed. Wow. Um, it was awful, I think, for her. I mean, I wasn't there. But it was awful. Um, and she, at the time, so my, my grandmother, my Nana, was totally distraught and kind of I just think totally upended by this and lost her parents around the same time so she was just totally un unmoored and the way that the doctors dealt with it was to heavily medicate her mm -hmm. um so my mom from the time she was 14 uh was was kind of without a parent so yeah she um so she ended up i i think she would say that especially the two women who worked for my grandmother um which is beatrice and edna basically raised her for the last years of that she was at home um wow. and and you know, she had to, she was 14 years old. She had to go get herself a driver's license so, so she could get places because she didn't have a, a parent who could drive her around. Um, and so I think she has a sort of, 
That's a long way of saying, like, we did talk about race, but I think race was, um, was, was a little bit complicated for my mom because of the fact that she considered these two women to be sort of her, like her other moms. Um, they had, they had literally sort of raised her. And so, and yet they, you know, she, I think she was very clear and aware that they worked for her family. Um, so I, you know, I think she was, she was in that sort of weird place where, you know, clearly there's racial injustice in the world. And, um, and yet she has this sort of like deep, deep affection and kind of childlike bond to these two women. And, um, so I, I don't know. I think it was just, it, it was one of her, and one of her earliest experiences with race is, is this, you know, sort of complicated space. Um, and I don't know if we, like when we would go back to Tennessee, we would go see them. Um, so we would go, you know, we went and saw Belvin when I was very young, uh, mm-hmm. went and saw Edna when I was very young. Um, you know, and my mom would hug them and cry. And I think it was just a very, I, I think, you know, they, those people were just very emotional for her. And, um, I don't know how to think about race as it relates to my mom without them. Uh, yeah. And without the fact that they, you know, and it's, it's such a, it's almost a throwback thing. Like we don't, you know, nothing Mm -hmm. works like that anymore. Um, so yeah, I mean, we, I don't know. We did talk about race. I mean, Seattle is very liberal. It's also pretty white. Um, you know, I, I think I grew up having just such a different experience of race than she, I mean, I think, you know, you live in the deep South in the fifties and sixties, like, you know, race is an inescapable part of that. Um, and yet if you grow up in Seattle in the, you know, early eighties, like it's, um, you know, and at that point, all of our schools teach about Martin Luther King and, you know, it's, it's just such a, it's not, it's by no means perfect and absolutely flawed. And our, you know, Seattle happens to be a very, um, racially divided city by sort of geography like it's you know one section of the city is significantly more african-american and there's uh and sort of the population of african-americans in the state is actually pretty low i think it's somewhere around 10 percent um so our state has its own issues with race but yeah i think for i think my mom just lived such a completely different experience with race that by contrast Seattle seems like, uh, you know, it just had very few racial problems by comparison. Right. Um, right. Yeah. But yeah, it's, yeah. It's interesting. Like we didn't, we didn't talk about race very much. Yeah. I don't know. That's interesting. Like I haven't actually thought about that. We, we didn't talk about race very much. And my dad was a criminal defense attorney. And so he, you know, he was running into, you know, issues with the criminal justice system all the time that were around race. And yet I don't feel like we talked about it. I feel, 
or at least not in any sort of deliberate, like, kids, I want to tell you something about this kind of way. Um, and I don't know why. Yeah, God, I, yeah, I feel my privilege around that all the time. Um, mm -hmm. that, you know, my daughter is four. If she was, if, you know, if she had darker skin, we would have already had a pretty serious conversation about it, I'm sure, because, yeah, yeah and if, especially if she were, you know, a, a, like a young black boy like yes we absolutely you know at four she absolutely would have, and she's a young white girl and so we haven't I know it's getting late and I appreciate you taking all the all this time. This is so fun. This is so fun. I could do this forever. I'm like talk about my mom? Yes, I'd love to. <laughs> yeah. Great. Can you hide them from the waiting world? Oh, Tell me about your mother is produced and distributed by Critical Frequency. To send feedback or suggestions, please shoot me a note at amy at criticalfrequency.org. That's A-M-Y at criticalfrequency.org. Our music is by B. Beeman. That's B-H-I-B-H-I-M-A-N. And original illustrations for each episode are drawn by James Guthman. You can follow us on Twitter at aboutyourma and on Instagram and Facebook at tmame podcast. That's T-M-A-Y-M podcast. Yes, all the easier names were taken. <laughs> Tell Me About Your Mother is available across all listening platforms. Please rate or review the podcast wherever you're finding it. It helps us find new listeners. Thanks, and we'll see you next time. <laughs> <laughs>